This is the IDP After Show. Welcome to the IDP After Show. On today's episode, I will be breaking down some best ball player exposures with the one and only Johnny the Greek. We're going to go ahead and talk about which players we have a really high or really low exposure to in some of these IDP-only best ball drafts, and I'm really excited to see where this conversation takes us because I really do believe this is going to be a good projection as far as later on in this offseason, talking about which players may gain or lose value going into this redraft draft season. So, Johnny, uh, how are we doing, man? Are we ready to do this? Yes, sir. Good, doing good. Good to see you. Good to be uh, doing another show. And yes, sir, let's let's fire away. Yeah, man. It's it's been since we did that free real estate episode a couple months back. That was a fun one. So yeah, I think what we want to do here is we just want to go position by position, and we'll go ahead and start off on the defensive line. How does that sound to you? Sounds great. So who is your your highest rostered defensive line? How many leagues have you done, by the way? And how many uh, how many shares do you have of this guy? <laughs> right, so there's a reason me and Evan are doing this show. Uh, we're in like all of them basically for <laughs> off season best balls. <laughs> we have a problem. Um, so so yeah, I'm in. Uh, I think I'm signed up for like ten or twelve at the moment, uh, and uh, about half of those are done. A couple are in progress. Uh, my highest owned defensive line players currently. Uh, the first one is Vita Vey. I've got him in about half the leagues I'm in. Uh, what I like about him is the big plays when he's healthy. Uh, he gave us six and a half sacks in 14 games last year. He's a late round guy. You can get him crazy late in these things. Uh, I tried to do an average of what round that was. It was 15 plus and, uh, you know, six and a half sacks in 14 games last year and a pretty good PFF score. He's, he's not going to get benched anytime soon. Uh, I like him a lot. Yeah, I really like this call and I think it's kind of a good segue into talking about some of this best ball strategy, which is why do you have such a high exposure rate to Vita Vea and why is he a kind of a player that you've been targeting in these drafts? Right, right. So we're doing these on sleepers. So you want a lot of the guys that are the DLLBs and those tend to get taken first. And, you know, for through the first 10 to 15 rounds, all those guys are going to go bye-bye. Uh, once we get into the later rounds, you can find defensive tackles that are playing, you know, 60, 70% of snaps a game every game, all season, dirt cheap, and that's playing time. That's guaranteed playing time instead of taking a shot in the dark on a guy that may or may not get playing time, and that's a floor, and I'll always take a floor. Uh, you know, that's guaranteed points. Yeah, I think we'll we'll get into that guaranteed playing time a little bit later in this conversation, but I think that's a really good point to bring up. You also mentioned that dual eligibility, that defensive line linebacker combo for some of these edge rushers, which is a really good transition into two, if not three, four, five, as I look down my list of some of my top exposure defensive linemen. But my top two guys are the edge rusher for the Giants, Aziz Ojolari, and the newer edge rusher for the Dolphins, Bradley Chubb, both players who have that dual eligibility and are going in about that round five, six range. I think for the first five-ish rounds, generally I've been trying to take some of these really, really safe but productive defensive linemen. But depending on my draft position and depending on who's in my lobby, it's kind of varied based on which of these guys I've been able to grab. 
But as we hit that round five, round six range, I tend to be a little more comfortable reaching for players, or these tend to be the kind of guys that fall, which is the Aziz Ojolari and Bradley Chubb, who who are guys that I believe are undervalued simply because of their situation or they were a little banged up last season in Ojolari's case. And I really believe that they are kind of on the tail end of that tier of really, really high volume defensive linemen that are on good defensive lines that I believe can be productive. What say you about that? Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, the Giants' pass rush is looking up, that's for sure. Uh, Miami, man, they've really uh, retooled, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> that actually kind of leads me to the next guy I was thinking of, too, uh, Emmanuel Agba. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a guy I have in about half my leagues this year, uh, just simply due to he's like a forgotten man. Uh, you know, he got injured early last year, um, You know, but the, the season prior, he, he gave us almost 10 sacks. He had nine sacks on the year. Uh, plus, you know, 24 QB hits, uh, 12 pass defense, nine tackles for loss. And it, Chubb is not the most sturdy guy either. And Miami rotates to begin with. So we know Agba will see some good snaps. And that's a good defensive line. So I think there'll be production across the board there. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you on Chubb. I'm with you on Agba. And I think in general, the more of those DLLB guys you get, you know, you're filling IDP flex, you're filling defensive line and LB all with one guy. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I think that kind of is a good transition into linebacker because as I'm looking through my exposures, I'm noticing I have very few true off-ball middle linebackers on my exposure rate at all. And I think that's because I've been drafting fewer of those kinds of not dual eligible, just pure linebackers than most people have been, simply because when I kind of count up my positional exposure on a draft-by-draft basis, I count how many DL-eligible players do I have, how many LB-eligible players do I have, and how many DB-eligible players do I have. So I'm counting these defensive linemen in both categories because I want to kind of make sure that I have, you know, 11 defensive line-eligible players, 11 linebacker-eligible players, and, you know, 13 to 15 defensive back eligible players. And that's generally because I will wait to draft defensive backs until significantly later in the draft. And I'm sure we'll get to talk about that when we get to that specific position. Um, And so there are very few linebackers that I actually have high exposure to, but there's one player that I do have incredibly high exposure to. I have drafted him. So I've probably by the time you listen to this episode, I'll have completed 10 drafts. And I probably have Terrell Bernard in nine of them, who is Ooh. the linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. Now, those who have been listening to some of these more recent episodes should not be surprised by this. Terrell Bernard is one of my offseason breakout picks, and I'm really, really confident in his value. Now, I should probably diversify a little bit. It's probably not <laughs> healthy to have an 89% plus percent rostership for some of these players, especially a volatile asset such as Terrell Bernard, who is not as safe an asset as I'm sure I would like to believe. Um, But he is definitely the linebacker that I've been targeting as he's going in about the round 10 to 12 range, which is around the the place that a lot of these rotational linebackers are getting taken, guys that are only going to see a portion of snaps or guys that might not even have a starting role at all. And I prefer his upside and floor relative to those guys significantly more. How about you? Who are some of your highest exposure linebackers 
Yeah, I, I like that call. Um, I, I hope it works out for you because if you're right, that's a that's a three down linebacker there that you're getting in the tenth round plus, and that's huge. That that's an absolute monster move. But I, I'm a little worried with the draft and whatnot. But it's a good call. I like it. Um, I, we joke about this often. I am one C.J. Mosley ACL away from disaster. Uh, he's in. <laughs> It gotta be seventy percent of my drafts so far. Uh, he's going in the fourth or fifth round, uh, typically the fifth, and he's just a lock for about ten combined tackles a game. That's a nice floor right there. Uh, un- unfortunately, unfortunately, however you want to look at it, um, IDP show scoring uh, or big three scoring uh, tends to look at the big plays more. Um, but I like having that floor there, and then all I need is a couple tackles for loss, or you know, a couple pass defense, or the, the occasional sack or interception, and then he's got a monster game. I know I'm getting those nine, ten tackles every single week he's on the field, uh, and I really like that for that price uh, about the fifth round right there. Yeah, I think that's a really great value. And while yeah, he might not necessarily have as much of that big play upside. I mean, that's probably the reason why he's going where he's going. And we'll probably talk about this a little bit more when we get to the DBs, but snap volume in and of itself, especially guaranteed snap volume, is one of the most valuable things in these best ball drafts. As somebody who participated in probably too many of these last year, the thing that really bit me in the butt, especially later on in the season, was I had so many players on my bench putting up zeros, and not just because they were injured, but just because I guessed wrong on whether or not they would be, you know, getting playing time. Like I drafted Eric Harris, who ended up being the backup safety for the Falcons. I drafted a lot of Anthony Harris, who ended up bouncing around practice squads and not getting any playing time. There was one or two other guys that I was like, oh man, like look at this probable starting safety that's, you know, going super late in drafts. And so I took a lot of shots and it did not work out at all. I did not do well last year in IDP best ball. And so this season, I've been looking a lot more for guys that have that really, really safe production floor. Now, I say that after I draft Terrell Bernard, who very well could not play a single <laughs> snap this year. But um, hey, old, dab- old habits die hard. Uh, as far as other linebackers that I've been getting, I've just, you know, after I get past that tier of guys that I'm confident will get a starting role, I think that tier kind of ends about the Aziz Al-Shair range, not necessarily because I think mm-hmm. he's the worst of the full-time players. His ADP just happens to be the lowest of them at the given moment. It should continue to rise. But there are a couple other guys who are kind of at that tail end of players that I expect to have really solid production. So I've been getting a lot of Divine Diablo. Some of Landon Roberts, I think I've drafted him basically in every single best ball that I've been in since the Steelers signed him. Because right now it's, it's him and it's Cole Holcomb on the Steelers. And I think Alandon Roberts is being really underrated as the linebacker too there. Um, and, you know, a little bit of Kaiser White on the Cardinals. And Nicobe Dean is a guy drafted a lot earlier on, but now his price has gone up way too high. Uh, you mentioned uh, CJ Mosley is a guy who's been getting a ton of, who are some other linebackers that you really like as at their value so far? Yeah, I mean there there have been some guys that have been dropping. The the prices are adjusting as as you've mentioned though. Like Aziz, man, that, that one we're doing right now. I, I forget what number it is, but we're in about the fifteenth round. I got Aziz in like round eleven, and that's to my thought and probably yours as well. A guaranteed three down, hundred percent of snaps linebacker, uh, way at the tail end of all those guys. Uh, so anything I can find like that, absolutely. Nicholas Morrow. I think there's a good shot that that guy has a good role. 
Uh, I mean, you know, the draft is coming. Free agency is not over with yet, but the Eagles do need two linebackers, and Nicobe Dean's just going to be one of them. Uh, so, you know, shots like that. Um, but you're right, though. It, if you're wrong on stuff like that, you're really toast. So sometimes it behooves you just to make sure you get some kind of playing time instead of, you know, the guess that, that could be great if you land it or could really screw you if you don't land it. Yeah. And I think as far as, you know, landing it versus being screwed if you miss, a lot of that also comes down to how many players you have at each position. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons why I've been going so heavy at the DB position, which we'll get to next, because I wait so much, or I guess I wait so long on them that the guaranteed production is not necessarily there. And so I'm not, you know, going to draft the same amount of defensive backs as I am linebackers or defensive linemen, because I don't expect them to produce as consistently. And so I would like more opportunities for those guys to see snaps and no player has a higher exposure than this next guy I'm about to talk about, who I have officially drafted in 100% of my drafts, and that is the safety for the Buffalo Bills, Micah Hyde, who continues to fall and fall and fall and fall. His ADP would probably be lower if I didn't keep taking him over and over and over again. But there are a few defensive backs who I just am gravitating towards, and some of them are guys that I have a lot of faith in, and some of them are guys that have a lot of upside. So the guy that I have a lot of faith in is Micah Hyde simply because I just expect him to be a starter. He was injured last year, and now he's healthy. I've seen a lot of people drafting Damar Hamlin, and as amazing of a situation and player that is, I'm a little concerned about his usage next season. Not necessarily on a health basis. I I think that you know he's going to come back healthy and be able to play football again. Um, but Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are both there as as safeties in Buffalo, and I'm kind of concerned that there's not really going to be enough snaps to go around for a third guy, uh, especially because they just signed a they signed a former Ram whose name oh, whose name is Ta- Taylor Taylor Rapp, yeah, and, and yes. Hamlin Hamlin was not a starter; he was forced into that role because of injury. If it's Hyde and Poyer healthy, it's Hyde and Poyer. Absolutely, I 100% agree. So. Micah Hyde, I have in 10 of 10 completed best ball drafts, and there's nothing super special about it. I'm not about to plant my flag on Micah Hyde as the DB1, but he has been a great asset in a you know group of anywhere between 11 and 15 defensive backs, all of which I hope to have solid playing time. All I need is you know five to nine of those guys to put up starting caliber, caliber numbers each week, and because the flex position can be filled by anyone, if a DB, you know, gets a pick six or, you know, gets one or two big plays in a game, boom, he might outproduce a linebacker or a defensive lineman. And I'm more than willing to take a bunch of shots at that position. So who are some of your highest exposure defensive backs? Yeah, uh, great question. And I think we'll talk about this a little more, but I tend to target later, not the big name safeties, uh, you know, the uh, Derwin James of the world or the Jalen Petries. I, I tend to target the end of that. So Marcus Williams, uh, guys like that. So so Marcus Williams, great example. I've got him in about half the leagues uh, that we've done so far. Last season, he beat his projection in six of t- 10 games that he played. He missed a few due to injury. He shattered it in three of those 10. So, he, so what that tells me is not an every week guy but he's going to have weak winning games. And that's something we saw on New Orleans with the Saints as well. And that's great for best ball because I don't have to guess right when that's going to happen. 
I just need to draft him. And when those week winning, uh, you know, uh, games happen, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get the points for that. And, uh, that's going to be great. So guys like that, and then a ton of corners, uh, you know, mm-hmm. four or five safeties that are hundred percent of snap safeties. They can be free safeties. That's fine. I know we like those strong or box safeties in traditional IDP fantasy. Free safety is fine in best ball because, you know, interception, uh, few pass defense with a couple tackles, and we're okay. Um, but, yeah, we want a few of those safeties and then a ton of corners because we don't have to guess right on the corners either. We don't have to stream them based on matchup or anything like that. We just have to draft them, and if and when they have a good week, we get that good week. And the great thing about corners is there's about three on each team that play co- close to 100% of snaps every single week all season. So there are tons of guys available that you know are going to play all of every game. Mm-hmm. And hey, even if we did have to stream them every single week, I happen to know a guy who is really good at streaming them. His name <laughs> is Johnny the Greek. Um, I, I kind of want to just like rapid fire through some of these defensive backs because I think we all probably have our own preference of guys who we just kind of like because as soon as it gets past like the 20th round, at that point, it just kind of is take your pick. You can't really trust ADP. A guy could go in the 20th. He could go undrafted. Um, and so there's a couple players that I've just, I like them and I take them. I should probably diversify, but I haven't. But uh, as far as like volatile assets, I mean, so I have a couple safeties that I have as like volatile assets. So Reed Blankenship for the Eagles. If he starts, I think he's a value, but he could be usurped in the draft. Nick Cross for the uh, for the Colts who lost his job last year, but they have a new coaching staff and he could very well get that role back. Uh, you know, Dane Belton is another guy who may or may not be playing behind Bobby McCain, or he could be filling in the Julian Love role next year. We'll see. Um, and Caden Stearns is another guy that kind of falls into that category who, you know, he could be a starting safety for the Broncos, or he could lose his job in the draft. Um, but a bunch of other defensive backs, real quick. Tredavious Wright for the Bills. You know, Malik Ooh. Hooker and Amani Hooker. Always got to get the Hooker stack when I can. <laughs> uh, Jaron Curse of the Cowboys, and then like Lewisine, Marcus May, Brandon Jones, who I've not drafted recently because uh, I'm a little concerned about his injury history. And they just added um, the former Lion, former whose name escapes Lion. Me. Yeah, it escapes me I, as he, well. It's he wasn't off-season. signed. Yeah, he wasn't signed on a starter contract. But like Brandon Jones coming off an ACL, we'll see. Eddie Jackson's another guy who I really like. Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, I could go on and on and on. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but there is a, a defensive back that I think we'll disagree on, and we'll get to that when we get to that. But I, first, <laughs> I want to f- finish up the section of just you know rapid firing some defensive backs that you do like. So, who are some other guys that you really like? Uh, yeah, for safety wise, Andre Cisco. I don't know why, but he's going the twentieth round or later as a one hundred percent of steps starting safety that gave us seventy three combined tackles plus 10 pass defense, three picks, a touchdown, and a sack last year, all while missing two games. He missed two games and still did that. that that's an absolute bargain. I'm all about that. Rayshon, too. Uh, for some reason, mm-hmm. the Jag safeties are a little you know, further down in ADP. Uh, so any of those, if you can get 100% of snap safety later in these best ball drafts, I don't care who it is. I'll take it. Uh, and then corner wise, uh, guys like, you know, Carlton Davis, Trayvon Diggs, Marlon Humphrey, AJ Terrell, um, any of those guys, any of those corners that we love to stream because they're so good are a okay in these best balls. Cause they're still going to put up those numbers. It's just not going to be, 
you know, we, we just don't have to worry about guessing right when that's going to be. Yeah. And uh, this is kind of off the cuff. Sorry to drop this on you, but you're the cornerback genius. Um, there are some cornerbacks that we love because they play 100% of snaps. There are some other cornerbacks who we love because they play about 100% of snaps in the slot. So, you know, guys like uh, sophomore, you know, cornerback Kyler Gordon, uh, previously the guy from the Colts who I'm inconveniently forgetting his name, but you know who I'm talking oh, about. Oh, uh, Kenny Moore. Yep. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about Cater Kohu of the Dolphins? I'm curious. Yeah, that's all messed up now because they still got Xavier Howard there and Jalen Ramsey just went over there. So I have no idea what's going to happen with Cater Kohu. Uh, to be honest with you, like week one for cornerback streaming is my least risky week all year. I go with the guys that I know are going to be in a good spot. And then, you know, maybe I'll have 60 calls instead of like 80 in week one. And Cater Kuhu is going to be one of the guys I have no idea about until I see it, to be honest with you. I, he's going to have some kind of role, though. He was pretty good. It, and another guy that comes to mind with that is like Cam Taylor Britt. How great was he mm. last year for streaming corner? But Shadobi Awuzier should be healthy and coming back this season. So what does that do to Cam Taylor Britt? I have no idea. I just assume from what I saw for guys like him and Cater Kohu that there's some kind of role. Uh, I just don't know if I trust it enough to go with it a lot in best ball at the moment. Yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. And maybe it's best not to try and call your shot on a guy like that because you could very well just choose a guy that you know and have a lot of confidence in and getting it that full-time snap share. There's just, I mean, at the end of a draft, when a draft is completed, you could you could go through the list of undrafted players and pull up 10, 20, maybe even 30 more cornerbacks who have a safer and higher floor than some of these guys. So yeah, it is probably best to avoid them. Um, now, you actually went above and beyond in the prep for this and, and actually picked up some guys that you have very little or no exposure to and some pretty big names at that too. So I'm really curious uh, what your reasoning is for a lot of these guys. So why don't you go and hit the listeners with some of your do not draft list players? Oh, I mean, this is me. Do not draft listeners can do whatever they want, but I'm like the get off my lawn guy uh, in IDP. Like if you've burnt me enough times okay. So first of all, this is year 21 for me playing IDP. If these guys have a long history of screwing me, I'm just done. I'm over it. So Joey Bosa, never again, made of glass. Shaquille Darius Leonard, never again, made of glass. Jamal Adams, same deal, made of glass. Going to shatter into a million pieces when it's least convenient for everyone. Uh, Derwin James, a little bit made of glass, but we've seen him you know, be healthy in a safety one enough that it, it's a great player if you get him. He's just too expensive. How many of these drafts has he been the safety one going in round like four or five? Every single one. Yeah. Every single one, right? And do you want to pay that for a safety where you can get like 85% of that production 10 rounds later? <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's a good point. Yeah, so um, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and then TJ Watt. I know you love TJ Watt. And it, he <laughs> does have weak, weak winning performances. He absolutely does. But then he also stubs his pinky toe and misses a month. <laughs> it's painful because it's true. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I've, I've been trying to get him everywhere I can in this first round. I mean, if I have the first overall pick, I'm taking Micah Parsons. And, you know, I've gotten like the first overall pick twice, the fifth or sixth pick like 15 times. 
and then like the eleventh or twelfth pick like five times. So it's like Micah Parsons or T.J. Watt or you know Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Brian Burns, Jalen Phillips, whoever I get at the turn. Um, but yeah, you're right. T.J. Watt has incredible upside, but there are other guys that are going around him: Max Crosby, Nick Bosa, Miles yeah. Garrett. I mean, even some three down linebackers uh, that you know, like off ball linebackers that you might consider over him just because of a health basis. Um, now, one guy I want to ask you about for two reasons. Number one, because uh, he's been a guy I've sort of kind of targeted. So obviously we have Der- Derwin James, who's the DB1, and I try not to draft him, but I usually build my queue based off of the overall ADP that we have, uh, which you can find, by the way, listeners, as soon as it's uploaded onto the idpshow.com. But um, Derwin James has gone anywhere between like the fourth and the first round. And yeah. most of these drafts I've been in, he's gone in the second or third round. But every now and then he drops into the fourth round or the fifth round. And when that happens, I'm like, I have to take him, right? Now, the answer is no, I don't have to take him. But I usually <laughs> do. And so I have him in like two or three of these leagues. And I always look back and I'm like, I really didn't have to do that. But another guy who is going significantly later, but I have to argue has similar upside, is Jamal Adams. Now, I know you said he's. He's gotten off your lawn. You've put up the sign. You pulled out the <laughs> shotgun. You're sitting on your porch. And if you ever see him again, it's bad news. But I, you know, the last time he played a healthy season, he was incredibly good. But I don't necessarily have a question specifically about his upside, but more just about the Seahawks safety group in general. I mean, mm. they just signed, I believe it was Julian Love, and they yeah. still have Jamal Adams there. They actually had Ryan Neal. And then they let him go into free agency, and he signed with the Buccaneers, which is a great landing spot, by the way. And they still oh, have yeah. Quandre Diggs at free safety. So I'm curious how you see that safety room shaping up. Is Jamal Adams on the hot seat? Is Julian Love just a backup? Are they going to run, you know, three defensive backs at the same time, possibly? What do you think? I, I think it's just a really good backup, to be honest. I, I think they see what we see. I, I, I think they know they're going to get 1.5 games out of Jamal Adams this year. <laughs> and, and then instead of uh, Ryan Neal, they'll have Julian Love as backup, which is pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, awesome. Uh, we absolutely cruised through this episode. I think there's a lot more information here that we could give the listeners. I feel like we have some time to do that. So. Uh, I guess I'll just kind of give you the floor. Who are some other players that maybe you haven't, you know, the, the, the tracker hasn't maybe caught up to yet, but some guys that you just really want to shout out as values currently at their ADP, maybe their ADP has been rising or falling lately because of free agency, but just guys in general that you don't want to leave this episode without sticking your name on them so that when listeners uh, enter these best ball drafts and win them because they've drafted these players, they can thank you for it at the end of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you got a couple too. So let's kind of, you know, maybe go back and forth here a little bit. Uh, yeah. First one I want to talk about is Charles Harris of the Lions, who everyone forgot about because he missed like 95% of the season last year. The year prior, though, he had 65 combined tackles, seven and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss, 16 QB hits, and two forced fumbles. And that's an Alliance team that still doesn't have a pass rush that's not named Aiden Hutchinson. So he's going to play. He's going to play often. He's got dual eligibility, <clears throat> excuse me, and he's going in the 20th round and beyond. <laughs> like, everyone's forgotten about this guy, and, and he's excellent. That's that's a great, if he gets anything even close to those stats, and you were 20, you know, round 20 plus to get him, 
that's excellent. Uh, so definitely been getting a lot of him. Uh, what, what's a guy you've got? Yeah, man, I've been trying to get somebody on the Jets defensive line, and you know maybe it's been Carl Lawson, maybe it's been uh, Bryce Huff, but the guy that I have the greatest uh, the greatest rate of exposure to has actually been John Franklin Myers who I have probably now in about 50% of these drafts so far. They were just really, really efficient this past season. Everybody on the defensive line got work at some point. And so I've just been trying to take my shots here and there on one hand because I think they'll be good. But on the other hand, because if Carl Lawson does end up getting cut, and I still have no idea what's happening with that. I know it was rumored earlier in the offseason, but he's still on the team, but they still haven't traded for Aaron Rodgers. So We'll see about that. But if he does end up getting cut, I just have to assume that that means some more work for the other guys in that rotation. Yep. Yep. That's a good call right there. And uh, the, the hot pick is, uh, what is it, Jermaine Johnson or, or whatever? Mm-hmm. He, he's the guy that's going super hot. Um, another one I like, and people are starting to catch up on this, is Carl Granderson. Uh, mm-hmm. So going in the ni- ninth or tenth round or later. Uh, you know, if you're playing with fresh meat, like people that don't know a lot about IDP, you can get him even later than that. Uh, so this guy came on later in the season last year. He was good enough that New Orleans flushed Marcus Davenport basically down the toilet. He's got that dual eligibility. Uh, you know, Cameron Jordan's on the other side. Uh, and if we see anything even close to what we saw the last month of the season last year out of him, oh man, that is a beautiful pick. Yeah. Another guy I want to mention. My exposure for him hasn't quite caught up yet, but Demarcus Walker, who just recently moved from the Titans to the Bears, he's another one of those going significantly later defensive linemen, kind of defensive tackles that we expect to have a lot of volume, kind of like Vita Vea, like you were mentioning earlier. But the defensive line that he's on, the Bears, is just devoid of talent right now. Now, you could take that one of two ways. You could take that as He's got locked in playing time. He's going to be really, really good. Nobody's going to challenge him for his role. Or you could take that as, yeah, it's absolutely garbage, which means he's going to have a really hard time being productive because they're not going to pressure the quarterback as a team. Take that as you will. I think uh, it's reasonable to have either stance, but he's definitely a guy that has been going really late and at the very least, I think has a locked in secure role. Right, and there's something to be said for that, man. We saw that with, uh, I think it was Greg Gaines last year uh, on the Rams at defensive tackle. That guy just played a lot, and that's how he got statistics. He lucked into them. He was just on the field, so he you know, fell on a guy four or five times, got a tackle. <laughs> there, there's something to be said for that. You know, Availability is the best ability, uh, so I, I'm with you on that. Uh, another guy I'm big on, uh, after the re-signing with Dallas is Dante Fowler. Uh, so he had six essentially monster games last season. Uh, he's part of an excellent Dallas pass rush. You can get him round 20 or later. He's got dual eligibility and that's, that's all we're really looking for. A guy that we know is going to play a decent amount every week and five or six games, he's going to give us a, you know, a, a pretty good, pretty good outing. And, uh, that's fine. That's what best ball is. That's all we're looking for. Yeah. And I think people are kind of sleeping on him because, you know, Sam Williams is quote unquote the new hotness. They have Demarcus Lawrence. They have Danico Autry, I think, if I'm not. Spacing. Oh, it's uh, Dor- Dor- Dorrance Armstrong. Dorrance yeah. Armstrong. Danico Autry. Who- oh, I was just talking about Danico Autry. That's why I brought him up. 
or maybe I was just looking at him on my list. Anyways, um, I talked about this other guy a little bit earlier on the episode, but I want to mention his name again. As much as it breaks my heart, because I know I'm not going to be getting him at a value in these drafts anymore as soon as I mention it, but Kaiser White, formerly of the Eagles, now with the Cardinals, I really firmly do believe that he is going to be a three-down linebacker there, and I don't know how it's going to impact Zayvon Collins or Isaiah Simmons, but the Cardinals' new head coach is the former Eagles defensive coordinator, and Kaiser White was one of his guys in Philadelphia. He was one of the first free agency signings that they had this offseason. And I have to believe that he joined the team so that he could have a full-time role. And he goes later than so many of these guys. Um, I just snagged him in, in I think, the 10th, yeah, in the number 10 draft. Um, And I, I hope that it gets back to me before this episode releases because you mentioned Nick Morrow, who's my next guy in the queue. So I'm hoping to get him too. But um, these are some guys that you can get, you know, right at the tail end of the, the last of the actually, you know, startable linebackers tier. And he just continues to fall. So maybe that says something about his dynasty value too. I guess that's all relative on who his manager is, but uh, that's another guy that I, I really, really like at his current ADP. Yeah, and you get a good point. Uh, Simmons and Zaven Collins have both been on the hot seat in recent history. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. there, there was Zaven not getting that, that starting role for not being able to pick up the defense, and then Simmons being up, down, left, right in, in terms of being trustable to be left out on the field. Um, yeah, I could totally see that. That's a good call. Um, speaking of, you know, we talked about you know good corners to get much later. Uh, James Bradbury, always a good option. So this guy, I was just looking back on his last season numbers, and he had double digits, which is essentially what you're looking for out of a good corner week. Anything north of double digits is A-OK. And half of his games last season, uh, and this guy's a pick six uh, game breaker candidate. You can get it round 25 plus. Uh, and that's that's the best kind of corner to get, a guy that you know is going to play every single snap and has a chance to return one to the house. And then go from just being a DB to being an IDP flex. And, you know, that takes the heat off some of your other guys. If they have a bad week, that's that's always a good thing. Yeah, man, I'm so excited to see how these leagues pan out. Number one, because my wallet hopefully will see some sort of return <laughs> on investment from the amount of participation I have in these drafts. But just to see how this strategy is, has turned out. I mean, I, I feel like this is still such a new format that, there is still a lot of strategy to be worked out. And most of our ideas are mostly theoretical as far as what we believe is the best thing to do. Uh, but hey, I believe that what I was doing last year was optimal and I struggled mightily because I just picked the wrong players. Shocker there. Just pick the right players, you guys. That's the best strategy. But um, <laughs> I'm excited to see how this pans out and, and how some of these higher exposure players turn out. Are, are there any other any, any other thoughts you wanted to share with the listeners here before we go ahead and close out this episode at the 30 minute mark it's a fast one for us yeah oh yeah yeah i mean just in general we've talked strategy uh a little bit here but you know don't worry about safeties you can always get corners later uh don't be afraid of defensive tackles they actually play uh, unlike guys that you're guessing on uh you want as many defensive line slash linebacker dual eligibility guys as humanly possible because they plug so many different holes uh, and guaranteed playing time is huge when we get to, you know, week 14, 15, 16 of the season. Half of everyone you drafted is injured. 
<laughs> and you need guys that are playing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously, that's a good point. I have very little to add to that. You basically nailed all of the main keys on the head. The only thing I can add, which is kind of a tier below that as far as importance goes, but it's still good to keep back of mind, count up how many guys you have at each position, right? You don't want 20 defensive linemen and then six defensive backs. You want to kind kind of balance it out a little bit more, but also give some weight to confidence, right? So I mentioned some safeties that I have exposure to, Reed Blankenship, Nick Cross, Dane Belton, Caden Stearns. When I'm counting up my defensive back players, if I count those guys as part of my group, I don't generally have the same amount of defensive backs as I do. If I don't have guys like that, I might have a little bit more because those guys are guys that have a greater chance to not have a starting role versus if I have 10 guys that I'm like, the only way these guys are losing their playing time is if they get hurt, I might be okay with having a smaller number of that specific position. But if I'm a little extra invested in some riskier assets, I might need some more depth at the position. So just like it goes with offensive fantasy, if you guys have played like underdog or something else, uh, making sure that you have the right positional exposure rate and just having the right amount of each position can really, really help you just slightly increase your win percentage overall. Yep, absolutely, man. That That is so true. Yep. And when you put all those things together and do this a million times in a row like us, it'll be second nature in no time. Absolutely. Oh, and one final thought. Set a cue, for the love of God. Set a cue. <laughs> Put yourself on auto-draft if you can. Don't make us wait for you. Don't draft KJ Wright. Stop it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so tired of deleting his name from the ADP document. <sighs> yeah. Um. I'm going to go ahead and spare the listeners from hearing the rest of that rant. But Johnny, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. This has been an absolute blast from from one degenerate to another who loves drafting in these best ball drafts. Uh, it's been a real blast to to be able to talk about this with you. Not as much of a draft or not as much of a blast to see you snipe all my favorite players as we generally are in the same draft together. But uh, it's been a fun one. Listeners, uh, make sure you follow Johnny on Twitter at, uh, what is it, Orange Man? Something, something. Remind me what it is. <laughs> yeah, at OrangeMan3142. And thank you, man. This is uh, fun as always. It's always a pleasure to talk to the young king. <laughs> I appreciate that. I still, to this day, I can't, I can't call myself that. It just doesn't sound right, but I always appreciate it. Um, it yeah, it means a lot to, to be able to, to be in the same space as you guys. I mean, you said you've been playing this for what, 20, 21, 22 years. That's, yeah, since that's as long as I've been alive. That's that's some serious valuable experience <laughs> right there, of which it's going to take me another lifetime to to catch up to as far as the exposure to just knowledge goes. But, anyways, listeners, if you want to follow Johnny again, you heard it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at IDP Evan. Let us know what you thought about the episode. If you want to hop in a draft with us, follow the IDP Show on Twitter and or just you know subscribe to the Substack feed because you will catch the next draft that comes out. Maybe you'll fall in one with us and try and snipe all of our favorite players since we just told you who they are. But um, (laughs) until next time, you guys, thank you for listening in. We'll catch you on the next episode and peace out. This was the IDP After Show.